What up, party people? It's the Late Night Boys. Um, we're doing an impromptu episode. It's just me and Ben tonight. Um, we literally just got back from seeing the new uh, Gaspar No film, Climax, and um, we had a lot to talk about, so we're like, well, fuck it, let's let's do a podcast. Yeah, this episode is right off the dome, 100%. I don't know when this is going to go up, when you'll be hearing this, but... Uh, Some good old evergreen content. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so, we talked about the trailer for this movie, like... Probably a year ago on the show. Yeah, we offhandedly mentioned it. I think it was in the same breath as, you know, the Nun trailer. Yeah, we were just watching some trailers. Another trailer of some sort. The Predator, maybe. Yeah. I think we were just doing some some trailer catch-up. And after that, I completely forgot about this movie until, like, two days ago. And uh, we went to see it, and... That was a fucking crazy movie. <laughs> yeah. So Gaspar No has experience with very intense films, <laughs> to say the least. You oh, know? I Gaspar No. E- Irreversible is infamous for its extended rape scene and its brutality and Enter the Void. While it's one of the most psychedelic movies I've ever experienced is... Also, one of the most brutal movies I've ever experienced as well. Yeah, I I haven't seen Irreversible or his first film, I Stand Alone. Um, I have seen Enter the Void. I I liked it a lot. It's it's a very long, heady, dark film. I actively avoided his last film, Love, um, because it had a bunch of unsimulated sex in it, and I... I just don't care about that. Yeah. Like, I... It's, that's the same reason I haven't seen Nymphomaniac, is like... I, it's, it's a gimmick I don't understand. I'll probably get around to it eventually, only because it's shot by Benoit Deby who did yeah. uh, Spring Breakers, which is one of my favorite And I believe movies. he also shot this He film, did. Climax. He did shoot this, yeah. He's, he's probably my favorite working cinematographer. He definitely has a very distinct style and particularly color palette. Yes. Um, yes. That, I, that I just love. And uh, I, I thought this film was shot extremely well. I feel like he's... He's a somewhat underappreciated cinematographer. He really only works with like art house directors. I don't know if that's by choice or just that he's kind of obscure, but like man, his shit looks so good. Yeah. I think he's notable enough that he gets to kind of pick what he does at this point. Probably you know, he's kind of legendary in the art house. Well, now he's crowd. yeah, he's he's worked on Gaspar Noe's last couple of films. I wonder if he shot the the Beach Bum, the new Harmony Corinne movie. Because it, it looks very similar to Spring Breakers, so I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be if surprised. he did. We saw a trailer of that speaking which before this movie, and it looks great. Not horror at all. Not something we'll be talking about on this show. But yeah, I am very excited for that. So yeah, Climax is all about a dance troupe who, uh, after a long night of rehearsals in a remote dance studio, have a little party and they have bowls of sangria that turn out to be spiked with LSD. Yeah, 
Um, and things go very bad. <laughs> pretty simple premise. Um, yeah, I would say that this film, while maybe not traditional, uh, is certainly a horror film. It was one of the most nightmarish experiences I've had in the theater in a long time, in like the best way. I was reading about the production before we started recording, and apparently it was almost entirely improvised, except for the premise. There was no script. None of the actors were given any dialogue beforehand. Everybody except for Sophia Butella was a dancer with no previous acting experience. And they shot it in like 15 days in chronological order. Gaspar No basically is, was like, okay, so your dancers after a, a rehearsal, you have a party. Your sangria is spiked with LSD. He sort of just let them go. So even though he has the quote unquote writing credit for this movie, apparently the cast was largely responsible for the narrative direction that the film takes, which I think is really cool. And if done poorly would be disastrous. Yeah, that's it's, pretty incredible. It's actually. frankly a miracle that this movie turned out as well as it well, did. I think that add such a layer of authenticity to the elements of dialogue totally. and character in the film because this movie is interesting because it definitely takes a while to get going it definitely takes its time to set all of the characters up because the one thing about it is this dance repertoire is huge there I, are, I think the cast is 24 people yeah there are a ton of characters and there's no particular primary character per se i would say sophia batella is the Maybe, closest thing we have to a protagonist like, i would say it follows her the most she probably has the most screen time out of everybody and so like they don't give her that much more emphasis over Ooh, any of yeah. the other characters yeah like, i agree to the extent of other you know traditional I think movies con considering that she's the only actual actor in the film it, it makes sense to kind of make her the focal point um just because i i think she's a really good actress yes um, she does an I, incredible it, job it, in i've movie. i've only ever seen her in like action movies um i don't think i've Ever see what has she been? She's in? she was covered in makeup in the last uh, Star Trek movie. Uh, she was in the first Kingsman movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and maybe most notably or notoriously, she was the lead in the the Mummy alongside Tom Cruise. That is a movie she I is, did not. I see. did not see that either. <laughs> but she is the the Mummy in the Mummy. I have only seen her in like action movies. Like, she's never been bad in those movies, but she's never particularly stood out because she usually doesn't have much to do. And uh, in this movie, she's fucking awesome. She's incredible. So I, I hope she is utilized more in, like, actual acting roles and not just as, like, the sexy badass chick in action movies. Because I, I think she's kind of, wait, her talent is, is maybe a little bit wasted on that. Yeah. Well, in this movie, she does a fucking incredible job. Oh, my God. Like I was saying earlier, you know, it's a real slow burn setting up all the characters. They have a killer cold open 
with her kind of crawling through the snow. Well, with another character, yeah. yeah. This, this shot, there's a lot of like shots that are from directly above, uh, which I, I like most of that a lot. I really love like the camera work in this movie, but yeah, that that opening is is like gorgeous just like this this woman like crawling through the snow bloody and just screaming and it's just kind of like the camera just kind of like rotates above her and yeah it's it's really it's really stark and and beautiful and then we have this other extended opening sequence of like the the audition tapes for all the characters it's like a tv with a bunch of yeah, on famous the, art house horror movies. On the right on the side, right it's side. all films, and on the like, left side, it's all books. On the right side, I spotted, like, Possession and, and uh, Harakiri. And, like, a Kenneth Anger movie. And, like, Schizophrenia and Zombie, um, which I wonder if that was the, the Lucio Fulci. Suspiria was Suspiria there. Suspiria was which, over uh, there. Which is very fitting for um, this movie. Yeah, and... I think a lot of those picks were fitting. Possession is yeah. certainly, like, I would consider this film kind of a weird, like, crossbreed between Possession and Suspiria in a lot of ways. Uh, and the left side was, like, a bunch of books about, like, film theory and, like, filmmakers. There was one about Fritz Lang I saw mm-hmm. and uh, Murnau. A lot of those were hard to pick out. Yeah, and you just have all these people, like, talking on the television, like, their audition tapes, and a lot of it is questions about, like, what's your worst nightmare, uh, and stuff like that, like, do you want to go to America, shit like that. There's the, the German girl who's like, yeah, I, I left Berlin because, like, there's a lot of drugs there, and my roommate, my ex-roommate was like dropping uh acid directly into his eyeballs and shit which is ironic considering um yeah we'll, uh... well we'll get into that a little bit later on but i i think those those tapes and the stuff they're talking about set up really well for like what is to come especially with the people talking about their fears and shit like that it's a weird sense of dread that they sent yeah. up with, between that and the opening of her crawling through the snow right like it's such a detached sense of dread because we're so distanced from it at first the camera is very far away when she's crawling through the snow yeah and the interviews while they talk about you know nightmare stuff it's very it's detached a, well yeah from... it's, in a, it's in a light you know it's a very light-hearted way yeah you know? yeah they're, exactly they're auditioning for a dance troupe you know so like they're they're not thinking about this stuff super seriously i don't think and then it cuts to uh the the first of several extended takes of of the film with this like fucking really wild dance number that reminded me or made me think of like an art house version of or like an art school version of like the bridge goths dance (laughs) um but like in a good way yeah uh, which is weird i i found it i found it really hypnotic yeah well it was weird because it was an extended dancing it was like 10 or so minutes it was probably yeah probably about 10 minutes and it was all one one single take Mm -hmm. the thing i really loved about it is there were a lot of really 
exaggerated body motions to the point where you kind of looked at the human form in a weird way yeah there's there's a lot that's sort of why it reminded me of like the bridge goths thing there's a lot of flailing of limbs and shit like that yeah yeah like Like the first the first guy who even danced was doing the wild punching dance, which i only see in memes nowadays right it's but it was done in a serious way it's bizarre i was thinking the same thing like it's it's normally the kind of shit that i would be making fun of but for some reason in this setting i i found it like really entrancing in a really strange way i do think it's it's weird that like dance is maybe one of the artistic mediums that has like personally affected me the least like I don't get a whole lot out of dance, but this is the second film in six months, the second horror film in six months that has been about dance that I have really enjoyed. So I I, I thought that was interesting, how, how much I fucking loved the new Suspiria and then how much I liked this movie, and they're both like, dance is... is integral to to the the core plot yeah well it's interesting because they both use dance in very unique interesting ways like suspiria uses it very much for the plot and in a lot of ways i feel like climax uses it to enance the experience of the movie yeah i think so no i I, yeah i Um, I agree while it's definitely still integral to the plot in climax like having the dancers in their safe place of the rehearsal studio and they're partying so they're all dancing anyway and then they start tripping balls and they revert to this like primal animalistic state but they're all dancers so a lot of them just like continue dancing Mm -hmm. and and at that point like the dance becomes horrifying in a lot of ways like there's the there's the one guy who's like the contortionist who's like insanely double jointed and like all of his limbs and his like he's always just like in the background just doing this like really fucking horrifying disgusting like body contortion stuff like rhythmic body contortion well and yeah because it's you know reappropriated into this experience of (laughs) a terribly bad trip oh my god you know like it takes on a whole nother light in a lot of ways because you know the intent has changed you know instead of him intentionally you know in control of his body contortions there's more uncontrollables at play and you know it turns into it feeling like he's possessed by something it, else it does you know? but at the same time it also the sense that it gave me a lot of what the characters were doing is that that sort of obsession that you have with your own body when you're when you're like tripping really hard like when you're peeking and you're just like staring at your hands and shit and just like fascinated and at the same time kind of horrified by your own body at least that's the experience that i've had several times under the influence of psychedelics and i i just got the impression that like because these people are dancers that it's just like that that kind of obsession with with your own body just sort of extended to that 
I, I thought that was really cool. Like with the, the contortionist guy, I got the, I got the impression that like, as he was tripping balls, he was like really pushing himself to like, see the limits of what his body can do when they're like having this shared bad trip. They all do seem like they're possessed. Um, that's why I think it was great to have the, the possession VHS and that opening bit, because a lot of it is, is very much like the, the the tunnel scene in possession where Isabella Johnny is just like absolutely losing her mind and like flailing and spasming. Yeah. There's a lot of that uh, that same kind of evocative imagery in this movie. The wild part about it is, considering all of the stuff was improvised, there's so many different small stories with all yeah. of the different characters that work so well within the movie. Um, you have so many different characters. You have the the German girls who uh, get bored with each other, for example. Yeah. The very horny French dudes that are... Yeah, well, like all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, all of yeah, them. yeah. But they're all distinct in a way. You get that lengthy scene between the two that are talking about trying to have sex with all of the different girls and like eating ass and going in dry. Yeah. And like it goes for so long that it goes from feeling, you know, jovial to feeling kind of sinister in a way. Extremely. Well, I got, I got that impression with a lot of the discussions, like after that first dance sequence, there's, there's this really long while where it's just like, cutting between these like tableaus of like two people two different people talking to each mm-hmm. other yeah um and and that's a lot of like the character development and you just get the impression that like not only are like pretty much all of these people just like wildly sexually obsessed um there's also like jealousy and like fighting over each other and like who's a better dancer and such and such and they don't specify how long they've all been living together at this dance academy but you get the impression that their lives sort of just like revolve around like rehearsing and partying and fucking each other like they're just like passing each other off and and i think that while while i was watching it i thought it all went on for a little bit too long um and and even still i think some of that could be trimmed down by by a few minutes i do think it does a really great job to set up for the trip when in a lot those, of ways. those jealousies and their egos kind of come out and turn against each other. Yeah. yeah, I agree. In a lot of ways, it feels like a come up in a good way. Yeah. Like it, it feels lengthy and you have, you know, these extended dialogue scenes that much like the scene with the two guys, you made a good point that a lot of them feel like they continue on from familiar to almost sinister in a lot yeah. of ways. And I think that works well because, for example, with the two guys, they're they're laughing while talking about really forcing themselves upon other people. Right. And uh, you get these dialogues that are really serious, but people are in a different emotional state than they would be when normally talking about that. So it just feels very off and uncanny. 
I, I think where some of the trimming could be done is right after that, where there's like the other really extended dance sequence, where it's just the shots from above of like them in a circle and like every person like goes in and like does their own thing for a little while. Yeah, it's weird because you get that extended dance scene and then you get a long credit scene. Yeah, which <laughs> is like which is halfway through the movie. Yeah, like fully halfway through the film. Like it's in in a way I I think that that's kind of like okay, here we go. It's about to happen yeah. cuz it really is like it right is. after that. But it is it is weird like halfway through the movie all of a sudden you just get like flash cuts of like all the different people who are in the movie and like all of the different bands whose music they which use. i mean and this music this movie did have a great soundtrack yeah it's all it's like, all like house it's music uh for the most part yeah but they had like apex twin and chris and da- carter and a little daft bit of daft punk. punk yeah rolling stones even near the end yeah it no i i think it works i'm i'm not a big house guy myself but i think for this movie that that sort of like incessant driving it was repetitive fittingly music. sinister yeah no it, it, it works it works really well i think i think it matched the tone of the film and that sort of like intense nervous energy that never dissipates because it's just so repetitive um and i also like how like the the music gets darker the longer they trip uh, that that stuff was some of my favorite, like the the more like post industrial house stuff. That like when they're really peaking, man. If I imagine if I was listening to that shit while I was tripping, like yeah, that that alone would give me a bad trip. Yeah, like aside from other like people like screaming and running around. Yeah, and, like, when it's just on like the floor straight up and... noise with the floor and the floor oh, underneath yeah. it. Oh it's... my god. Yeah. Well, the acid trip sequence is all a single take it's 42 minutes jesus i looked it up um which is fucking insane yeah i know that like the long takes are kind of gaspar nose jam at least in entered the void there were several that were like 20 minutes long but like man fucking 42 minute take like that's just insane well the complexity is staggering well i mean it it helps it helps because it was it was improvised for the most part i'm sure there was like there was blocking we're like okay now we're gonna pass off and focus on this character and you're gonna go this way but what happens along the way is very much up to you it's it, it works in a lot of ways because i'm sure they did long discussions on like oh character yeah motivation i'm what sure the characters arcs would be because you have so many different arcs in this movie and so many different points you have to yeah. hit where characters need to move at a certain point that it's it's staggering. To I feel think like that I feel like that was improvised. that was the majority of the block. The majority of the blocking was just like where characters needed to be and like what character they're following at any specific time. But at the same time, I feel like the the improvisation, the sort of like free form aspects to the storytelling, uh, makes those those long takes easier to pull off. Just because you have so much more freedom, it's not like you have to rehearse a 42 minute 
take exactly the same over and over again. You can rehearse the movements, but then like what happens along the way is is up to the actors. I think that's that's a very cool approach, and I think the effect ultimately is like is definitely there. Like it it works out really well. Like this doesn't feel like an improvised film. It feels like a like a pretty tight narrative. So like a lot of credit to to all the people involved. And man, like a fucking cinematographer's nightmare to light that that whole space because they don't have time to stop and relight every shot. Yeah, insane. that you have to. Benoit Deby had to fucking light that entire set because they're gonna they're constantly moving throughout it. You and know? the room for air is so non-existent. Yeah, you know, like. You make one mistake on pulling focus, and right. it's fucked up, you know? Yeah. And that's totally the thing, like, that. there were no mistakes in that front, you know? No. Like, I didn't see any out-of-focus stuff or, no, like, any either. stuff like that, like... There's such a craftsmanship to this yeah. movie. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they staggering. did. I'm sure they did rehearse the camera movement a lot because you have to. You have you to. Have yeah. to. Um, but yeah, like it's it's really well done, and that they they shot the entire film in 15 days. Like that's pretty impressive. Also, like considering, I wonder how many of those days were just them doing that 42 minute trip sequence over and over and over again. And I wonder what the variety was like. I wonder if if it was them like doing different stuff every time or if they would do something and Gaspar Noah would be like, no, I like that. Do that every time. And if it kind of put itself together that way, I would love to see some of the outtakes. From yeah, yeah. Or Just at to, least like a behind the scenes. Yeah, because I, cause I feel like the potential to have like – so many different versions of the same basic narrative is is there and just like whatever takes they decided not to use you know it's really cool uh it's it's extremely it's extremely impressive overall like from from a technical standpoint from an acting standpoint just all around incredible the story we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but you'd mentioned that you had heard this movie is gaspar knows most accessible yes that has been one of the only things i've heard about i this film. definitely can understand while it is still just as dark as any other gaspar no movie you know, it's very Lars von Trier-esque. Yeah, in ways. well, it's, it, I, it I think is the least graphic. I of yeah, any of his stuff. I think I think saying that like it's Gaspar Noe's most accessible film is a pretty low bar. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how generally inaccessible to like the wide movie going audience i would say most of his films well are. just considering how intense and disturbing all of this right shit is, and you know? and like love had a lot of unsimulated sex and even enter the void at the end had like some very graphic like weird cg sex and irreversible has that extended rape scene i i mean even even so i i do think that climax is probably his most accessible film but i still don't think it's for everybody i still think it's for for a pretty niche audience 
when the lights came up at the end during the credits one of the only other people in the fil- in the theater with yeah, us there were like four other there were like four the other theater. people and this one girl is like gaspar you did it again you sick fuck <laughs> i was just like it's like yeah you're right he, no you're right he did, he did do it it made me laugh i was like yeah you're right yeah Like, one of the particularly dark aspects is that, like, one of the dancers has her, like, young son at the academy with her, like, visiting her for a few days. And when they start tripping, like, she freaks out and to protect him, like, locks him in. Well, uh, she tells him before they realize they're tripping that don't drink this. This is alcohol. Yeah, don't drink the sangria. Because he wants to drink the sangria. And then she goes up and puts him to bed. And when she comes down, obviously the trip starts. And little to her knowledge, the kid comes back down. And yeah, he's gotten the into sangria. the sangria. Yeah, so she puts this this probably like six or seven year old kid, maybe five, like who is about to be tripping on a large amount of LSD just like locks him in this like electrical closet and then loses the key. Fuck that is extremely dark. And they yeah. like they like keep going back to the room and the kid is just in st- inside like screaming like let me out, let me out and then like the mother is there and she can't find the key and she's screaming and then uh fucking Sophia, what's her face? I've already forgotten her last name. Um is also there just like screaming and it's like man, this is just uh, that that's the that's the thing about bad trips man is like once you've gotten yourself into that loop so hard to pull yourself out well like, oh, everything man. just makes like every the, especially in this movie everything that's going on is just making the trip worse the and continuous worse and worse background scream of the kid emphasizes yeah. the bad trips so much because you know while he's stuck in the closet he is screaming at the top of his yeah. lungs, and you hear it throughout a lot of this For, stuff. Yeah, anytime know? they go anywhere near that room, yeah, exactly. And also just, like, the music is still going, and the lights, and, like, the light is strobing, and it's neon, and there's just, like, people fighting and screaming and crying and, like, vomiting. And I, I feel like the only people who turn out okay are the ones who just like dip off and go to bed relatively early on just like go right out that trip in your room buddy (laughs) like that's that's the way to do it well they they also get like really suspicious of like who has spiked the sangria and there's one guy there who doesn't drink or do drugs so they assume it's him and they they throw him out into the snow and he ends up freezing to death because they lock him out um and turns out he didn't do it and the other girl who doesn't drink it because she she's pregnant pregnant, yeah uh gets beaten up brutally then when she goes to find the the girl who beat her up is egged on by everyone else to basically just kill herself yeah and and she doesn't she's the one who ends up running out into the snow she's the one that we see out in the snow but yeah like 
she's just like ganged up on by all of these people tripping balls just like screaming at her to kill herself and she has a knife and she just starts like cutting her arm and her face and i i almost wonder if she actually cut herself like the way the the blood welled up and like it took a little while to start bleeding and then like the way it was flowing like it seemed kind of real. It did seem kind of real. It didn't. It didn't particularly look like an effect I mean, to me. Gaspar knows no stranger to brutal <clears throat> violence and gore. As someone who has seen Irreversible, I know that too well. This the whole scene in the uh, the bar in that movie is unforgettable in the worst way um but <laughs> but yeah like it, but it does seem very I was, real i was thinking about that like while it was happening because like she had the knife and if they just had fake blood on the blade of the knife like when she drew it across her arm and her face that blood would have been there immediately but she like cut herself on the arm and the face twice and it took like 10 or so seconds before the blood like really started like leaking out I mean, I'm, I'm sure they could have done that with, with some good practical effects, but, like, in a fucking extended 42-minute take, like, when do you set that shit up? Like, That's what makes it all the more impressive. Yeah, like, if it, it very well could have been an effect, but at the same time, I, I also, considering Gaspar no, I would not be surprised if she actually did just, like, slash herself with that knife. Yeah, I mean, we don't I really see, it. see her character too much after that, so... It's yeah. a very distinct possibility. Yeah, well, and she also, after that point, like, starts punching herself in the gut to make herself miscarriage. Man, there's some some really fucking nightmare stuff. Like, it's like the, the feeling of this movie is, like, fucking nightmares I've had and, like, bad mushroom trips. Well, One bad trip I had in particular. It's, but... it's a unique state because it's such an uncontrollable state of horror. Yeah. You know, because these characters, while it's a very internal horror, it's a horror that's completely out of their control. Right. You know, and in a lot of ways, it reminds me of, like, possession movies. Yeah. You know, where people are being possessed by demons, because in a similar way, it's out of their control, but... Well, this movie, drugs, drugs do be this like movie, that. Yeah, this movie adds... A layer of authenticity to it because yeah. unlike you know demon possessions drugs are very real and they can do this to people well, right you know? and and that's and that's the thing like it feels like like an authentic trip like i i don't i know for a fact that like these people weren't actually tripping on set but like the stuff they were doing and the way they were behaving is how is how like a like a real trip works like a real bad trip and like i think that's what makes it hit home so much more is like for people who have done psychedelics and who have like had bad trips it's like it hits really close to home and i think i think that's something that gaspar no is is very well acquainted with as well you know especially considering like in uh enter the void which is all about, like, DMT. What I like, too, in, in that same vein, is that this movie feels very much like a literal representation of the concept of ego death. 
which some people experience while while tripping and that some people chase that you know to like like dissociate completely and like lose all sense of yourself through the the sensation of dying and like literally killing your own ego and your sense of who you are and i think that that does happen to a lot of the characters in this movie and how like the build up is very much about like showing everybody's ego you know and how their egos affect them as a collective and how those egos clash with each other and then the whole trip is like an extremely violent death of those egos. So I, I think that conceptually and the way it's executed, it's extremely well done. Yeah, I 100% agree. This movie does a really great job mimicking the the feeling of kind of that dread yeah. of a bad trip and psychedelics in a lot of ways. While it doesn't get goofy with the, oh, trippy visuals, you know, like it is an extended scene and like the camera is floating above well, yeah, that's, and all around and all over the place. That's one of the things that I appreciated is that it gives the the sensation of a bad trip without like being overtly psychedelic like the the lighting is you know very is a lot of like neon but he doesn't do stuff like he did in enter the void where there's like trippy visuals and like the breathing walls and like tracers and stuff like that you get none of that it's all it's all very starkly shot and so much of like the tone is told through like what the camera is doing like you said like a lot of stuff from above and like in the 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 climax of the film when they're all like peaking after the power has gone out after the kid has done something to it and maybe killed himself in the process the camera is just inverted and there's just like this this sequence probably about 10 minutes long like the camera is just upside down and there's just like this strobing red light and the people are just like writhing on the floor and the the contortionist guy like you can hear him keep cracking his bones and joints and there are several people just like fucking on the floor but it's hard to like tell what's happening because of the inverted camera and like the weird lighting it's all without any sort of CG to give you, you know, those those generic quote unquote trippy visuals, uh, which I think is it, you don't get the comfort <laughs> of CG in this movie, right? Yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. Like you, you would expect something like that. You would expect, you know, the the trippy CG visuals to and remind like, you it's still a movie, you know. And instead, it's it's just extremely raw, and I, I think that that is something that. A lot of filmmakers would not do in a movie like this. Like if the characters are tripping, then you know we need to we need to be tripping too as the audience. Rather, we're just like plopped down in this group of people who are tripping and we're not tripping, but like man, it's still a bad time. Well, that's the it's thing still because a bad like, time. <laughs> while we aren't tripping, it feels like we're tripping because Gaspar No does a great job capturing the 
the essence of that. Well, you know, yeah, but I I don't know if it's I don't know if it really feels like us like we as the viewer are tripping, but it does feel like we are in this place with these characters and like being in that place and even being one of the people who is not tripping. If you are surrounded by that, it's still such a bad time. Like you're there's no way you're having a good time. It's at still all. a hellish nightmare. It's, it's still a hellish nightmare seeing these people around you who are so lost in their own heads because of the drugs and the way that that is making them behave inhumanly and animalistically like for you as a person who is still very much like sober and aware of what is happening that's what makes it horrifying that's what makes it like they are possessed is because they are obviously not there you know their minds are gone and for you to be existing in this space with all of these just like totally fried people it's uh it's it's a hellish experience it's very uncomfortable um it's not by any means a feel-good movie maybe we should talk about the the theatrical experience as opposed to watching it at home yes because we made sure to go out of our way to see it in the theaters it was only showing at like two theaters in our area it was like the draft house and this silver light theater silver spot something like that um which neither of us had been to it's a really bougie yeah holy fuck Holy shit, is I paid, it expensive? I paid $12 for a fucking 24-ounce Corona. Fuck me. Expensive. But I think seeing this movie on the big screen added to the immersion of the experience so much more. Yeah. Because the bad trip felt so much more inescapable when it's surrounding you in every sense. Right. You know? Well, at one point towards the very end, you had to get up to go to the bathroom, and so right before we started recording this, we watched the little bit that you had missed while you were in the bathroom, and we both acknowledged what a weirdly different experience it was to watch it at a lower volume in on the a, comfort on of a your smaller home. screen in the comfort of your home, and that there's definitely something lost from that i think i don't know when this episode is going to come out odds are when it does come out this is probably going to be out of theaters or uh, even so i mean like, this movie's already limited super and limited this movie's ending its run by the end of the week so so yeah probably probably your be. only your only option will be to watch it uh but if you're able to watch it on as big of screen as possible in turn, a dark dark turn room. the light yeah turn the lights out and loud and loud yeah i agree like i think i think you're gonna get the i hesitate to say best experience because uh who boy um it's not particularly pleasant but i think you're gonna have the most authentic experience uh if you do as much to immerse yourself as possible um i i think that's that's definitely the way to experience and it's absolutely like worth oh seeking yeah. out you know like while it is still very much a bad time well don't I, let that distract distract you from I, seeing the movie i will give i will give the disclaimer i will give the disclaimer that if you're not as inclined towards more experimental narratives or more art house kind of films 
um, or foreign language films. Like, if that kind of shit isn't your jam, it's probably not the movie for you. I, I think that I think that this is a film that will be most appreciated by a particularly niche audience. That's something we didn't mention at all is a lot of this movie is in french almost entirely um, yeah. there's a decent amount in english but like the majority of it is i wouldn't in even french. say a decent amount yeah there's a there's a couple of parts because a couple of the characters like the german girl and like the the eastern european girl don't speak french so they communicate in english but for the most part yeah um, well, we, I guess we'll, we should talk about the very end. Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. We finally learn at the very end that the German girl who was talking about her ex-roommate eye-dropping acid and n- not wanting to be near drugs was the one who fucking put acid in the sangria. Yeah. Um, at the end, we sort of see the aftermath and everybody's kind of like coming down and it ended better for some people than it did for others. The woman who locked her son in the closet killed herself um the guy who was left out in the snow died one bitch got her hair set on fire so like her the back of her head is all charred and burned and then we just see the uh the german girl in her room you know listening to her walkman or whatever with books about lsd scattered around her and just dropping more more acid just directly into her eyes well the wild thing for me is like in the limited amount of understanding of acid that I have, like there's a huge tolerance period for acid. Like, yeah, totally. Generally you you're trip, supposed you to trip again and experience. Ge- yeah. Generally you're supposed to go a couple of weeks between trips in order to, to lower the So the what tolerance. I gathered from that is since she was tripping so often, it was not nearly as intense. as intense. Well, I mean, we also saw that, like, at the end there, she put, like, four drops into her eye, which is a lot of fucking acid. Yeah, yeah. Even though that that was probably, like, the most obvious answer, of course it was her, I, I did really appreciate that how she's pretty much, she's one of the more ancillary characters in the film, and generally we see her in the background just kind of, like, off on her own, just kind of, like, vibing. She's, like, one of the only, if not the only, person who does not seem to be having a bad time. Like, the the focus is never put on that, so it's like, oh, she's not having a bad time, it must be her. But it's like, looking back and seeing, and thinking about, like, every time that she's in the shot or something, like, she's just kind of chilling. At the end, she's the only one, well, every, when we see everybody else, like, collapsed on the floor or asleep or whatever, she's the only one still on her feet well, dancing when the police come in. It's weird, because she's the straight-haired one, right? Yeah, the the bowl cut, the, yeah. the straight bowl cut hair. Yeah, didn't she kind of start off the stream of events by pissing herself though? Uh, yeah, she did start pissing on the floor um, at one point, but like she didn't seem to be having a bad time. Like she was obviously hella out of it, but that's like when they were all coming up. But like, af- like we never we never see her in like the throes of horror or or fear or agony or anything like that. She's always it's, just like she's it's always kind just of a dancing. good red herring having yeah. her piss all over the floor though because yeah. you don't <laughs> expect her to be the culprit right. Well, and also that that's that's like when they're it. that's like when they're still coming up, so you don't really know what's happening yet because like on that come up, you know they've been like right before the acid scene 
scene, you know, like we we've, we've seen them like dancing ferociously for a long time and they've all been drinking. So it's like at first it just seems like they're just exhausted and drunk. And I think that that's what they think, too. And then they all start to be like, hey, I feel weird. Like, this doesn't something's not right here. So it's like we kind of go on that ride with them. You know, when she pisses on the floor, it's like, I mean, I've seen drunk girls at the bar fucking pissing on the floor on like the patio or just like trashed out of their mind doing stupid shit like that. So, yeah, it's a great red herring. And then and then after that, you know, she's always just kind of in the background. Like they never she's one of the few that they never focus on. And then to have it come around at the end, like when the cops come in, she's the only one still on her feet dancing. Everybody else is passed the fuck out, you know, or dead. And then like it's like, oh, yeah, she was. She was the one who fucking spiked it. She was totally like... <laughs> well, it's it's funny because one of the earlier scenes we get with her, she's talking to the other girl that speaks in English, and they have a relationship for a while, but she's ignoring the, the other girl. Yeah. Because she says it's gotten boring. Right. Um, which, in light of stuff, kind of emphasizes that she was trying to make things interesting by right she was bored so she spiked the the sangria to see what would happen yeah no that that's a good point i didn't really think about that yeah she's she's so ambivalent at the beginning of that party like she's just so bored so like yeah i guess she decided to just spice things up and and see what would happen if she if she spiked the spiked the sangria and uh, she didn't seem to learn anything from it. She didn't learn a lesson. She seemed uh, pretty well unaffected by the whole thing. So, yeah, I think that's a, a, a nice way to, to end the film, too. Like, yeah. to just cap that off and sort of, like, zoom in on her eyes and it just kind of, like, slowly fades to white. And we get the only title credit in yeah. the movie. One thing I we forgot to mention early on in, at the beginning of the movie, they, in that title credits sequence... They mentioned that this was based on true events, and I don't know how much that's true. I think I think that's bullshit. apparently there's rumors that this had happened in the nineties. Yeah, well, I mean that's kind of that's kind of just like uh, I feel like it's just kind of like a, a generic party urban myth at a party and somebody spiked the punch, you know, but it's like like not outside of the realm of possibility. Oh no. Well it it does. It does happen. Like the reason why it feels authentic, I think. Right. You know, it gives it another air of, well, it's like, I have, I have friends who have been like roofied at bars and shit. Like, People will put shit in in the drinks. Like it's it's something you always have to be cautious of when when you're in those situations. So it does feel very real. I don't. From what I was reading, I didn't dig super deep. I don't think this specific event is is like something that actually happened. It's something that very easily could. Have it happened, it's certainly though. it certainly does not exist outside of the the realm of possibilities, and and I think that that aspect, the reality of it, is part of what makes it scary. And I also think it's interesting that this is a horror film that doesn't have an antagonist. There's no there's no monster. There's no villain. 
the horror comes from just it's like a chemical antagonist. Well, yeah, I, I, you know? I guess you could, if you wanted to get really technical, you could say that the acid trip is the antagonist, or even the girl who spiked the punch is the antagonist. But it's, it's not really like esoteric. It's yeah, it, extremely. It's you know, it, it's the horror comes from being put into a nightmare situation and just having to ride it out, um, which is which I think is great. Because if you have a bad trip, that's all you can do. There's nothing you can do to, like, snap yourself out of it. You just got to ride it out. You just got to know that at some point it will end. You will go back to being normal and you will be okay. And that's the same thing with this film. Like, you just got to ride it out and at a certain point it ends. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's very... Uh, it, it is very much a, a trip in and of itself. I think that should cover about everything. Yeah, Do you I think write? that covers just about everything. This is a very strong movie. I really, really love this movie. I'm hesitant to give it a five right out of the viewing experience because I think I need to sit on it a little bit more, but I am very confident giving it a four and a half. This is an incredible movie. Gaspar No kills it once again. It is disturbing as hell. It feels very authentic, which makes it even more disturbing. And, oh man, is it a trip. And you won't forget it. Yeah, I. Uh, this was definitely an interesting experience for me because especially in in the first hour or so cuz like the the acid trip doesn't even really happen until about an hour in which is over halfway through the film. Yeah. Um, I think it's literally cut in the middle yeah, with I that think, credit I think so. scene. There were a couple of times in the first half of the film where just like some of the the repetition and monotony started to lose me and I was like ah, I don't know how I feel about this. But it kept winning me over, and then looking at it as a whole, I think some of those more monotonous moments actually contributed to what made the the crazy part so effective. Um, I do still think there's a little bit of room for trimming, um, and and I I don't think it's quite a perfect film. So I'm I'm in the same camp as you. I I can't give it a perfect score. Also considering just like I don't know if it'll have the same effect on repeat viewings not in the theater. Um, But yeah, I think at at this point I can also feel comfortable giving it a four and a half out of five pods. Um, At the time of this recording, it is my favorite film of the year so far. Yeah, fuck it. I'm counting it as a 2019 movie. Yeah, I think I think so. It it got its it got its release in in Europe uh in 2018 but it hasn't been released in the states until this year so i i'm i'm comfortable counting it as a 2019 film as well in the words of uh donald glover this is america this yeah this is exactly this is fucking america um speak english god why why wasn't this movie goddamn english (laughs) should have been dubbed should have been fucking dubbed um yeah i like I said, so far, it's my favorite film of the year. We have not seen Us yet. We're about to, even though I'm sure this movie will come out or this episode will come out well after our episode yeah. on Us. Uh, so who knows? I've heard very good things about that movie uh, as well. 
You already um, know how I feel about us. Yeah, so. same. Um, <laughs> so, well, that's between the two of us. That's a unanimous four and a half out of five for Climax. If you're into Gaspar No, if you're into art house horror, if you're into experimental horror, uh, fucking check it out. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would say that that's a, a resounding recommendation for both of us. So, yeah, yeah. just make sure to see it again on as big of a screen as possible in a dark room in a dark room with, loud with as the hell. volume immerse yourself to the best of your ability you will get the most authentic experience um yeah so i think that'll that'll bring us to the end of this little uh impromptu late night boys episode um if you like the show uh, do you know do the thing leave us a, a rating and review on apple Podcasts. hit those five stars share it with a friend follow us on twitter at pod people pod uh check out our letterboxd uh you know you, you've heard the spiel before thanks for listening we love you we appreciate you and uh i'm gonna think i'm gonna go drink some sangria and uh dance my fucking ass off <laughs> we out <laughs> <laughs>